Everybody take your head like this. Move your head forward. Yes, man, we don't really know. Especially in light of what definitely appears to be end-time signs. Do you wonder what the future holds? Have you ever pondered the answers to those important life-changing decisions? Wow, what's going to happen if I do this? What's going to happen if I don't do this? Have you ever wrestled with those serious options in life? Like, who should I marry? What should I do after school? What career path should I choose? With all those things in mind, here's some good news for you. God is vitally interested in your life. He is vitally interested in the decisions you make. And God does want to lead you as you make these life-altering decisions through the course of your life. In John chapter 15, Jesus called his followers friends. Jesus calls you his friends. This is what he said in verse 12 of chapter 15. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends, Jesus said, if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant doesn't know what his master's doing. But I have called you friends, for all the things that I've heard from my Father, I've made known to you. As God's friend, you and I are given some insider information. We're given information that a lot of other people don't have. They have it, but they just don't access it. We have insider information that I believe will help you and I to discover what God's will is for our life. What is this insider information? It's called a Bible. And in the Bible, you will find God's general will for people, namely like putting God first in all you do. That's God's will. Another one is following God's guidelines for marriage and for family and for church. That's God's will for you, for all of us. Telling other people the reason you got hope for salvation. That's God's will for all of us, to tell other people. But in the Bible, we're also given God's specific will just for you. Just for you. He provides us many, many guidelines and principles that will help us as we seek His specific desires for the decisions that we make. In the end, finding God's will, finding God's general will for all of us and finding God's specific will for you comes down to understanding His directions 
and then living them by faith. Last week I told you that faith means forsaking all I trust Him. That's what faith is. So in all in all, you got to understand what God's Word says, and then you got to live it by faith, forsaking all, trusting Him. So with this in mind today, I want to give you three simple steps that you can take as you try to seek God's will for your life. Number one, surrender your life unconditionally. In Romans chapter 12, Paul wrote to a bunch of Christians that were undoubtedly seeking God's will. And he said in verse 1 of Romans 12, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, I'm begging you, I'm pleading with you by the mercies of God, here it comes, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. That you surrender your life as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Here it comes. So that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, as we hear those verses in Romans, they amount to what we call a conditional promise. The promise is there at the end of verse 2 that you may prove in your life what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That's what he promises you. But you got to pay attention to the steps before that. In order to prove God's perfect will in your life, you have to meet the three conditions that come before that. Number one is presenting yourself as a living sacrifice. Surrendering your life to God as a living sacrifice. You see, as a Christian, you belong to God. You belong to God. The Bible tells us that we are no longer our own because Jesus paid for us when he died on the cross. Paul put it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. He said, you are not your own for you are bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body, in your life, and in your spirit. Why? Because they're God's. You are not your own. And because we belong to God, we should do whatever is necessary to refrain from sinning, to refrain from displeasing God, which is, according to Paul, only reasonable. Amen? It's only reasonable that you avoid that which displeases God. And that's what it means to be a living sacrifice. We put aside our own will and we replace it with God's will. That's what being a living sacrifice is all about. So you've got to surrender yourself to God unconditionally. Number two, don't be conformed to this world that we're living in. If you're going to prove the perfect will of God, then you have to avoid imitating the beliefs and customs of the world we're living in now. When the Bible speaks of the world, it's not talking about planet Earth. When the Bible speaks of the world, it's talking about the mentality, the morals, 
and the mindsets of the times and the age that we live in today. The world that the Bible speaks of includes this sinful and morally bankrupt lifestyle that you see a lot of people living these days. And those lifestyles are hostile. Hostile to the truth of God, hostile to the things of God, and hostile to the thoughts of God. Worldliness. Living according to the world, when it's all boiled down, is just basically living the way you want to live. It's basically living according to your own selfish desires. So Paul says, don't be conformed that way. Don't be conformed to the world. Don't be conformed to your own selfish uh, desires. Instead, number three, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Here comes this reoccurring reminder. Amen? The reoccurring reminder that we've had all through these cornerstones of faith that the mind... Our mind plays a big role in our Christian life. The way you think plays a big role in the success of your Christian life. Now, one of the best ways that you can be transformed, one of the best ways that you can be changed in this way into a new person is to literally saturate your mind, saturate your heart with things that spiritually build you up. Amen? It's so easy to, to build up your, or to give your life things that tear you down. Just turn on the TV. Right? Man, it won't take you long before you'll see something that'll tear you down. But if you want to be transformed into a new person, you've got to saturate yourself with things that are build you up spiritually. Tell me some things in your life that build you up spiritually. Help me out here this morning. What are some things that build you up spiritually? Wanda? Worship certainly can build you up spiritually. What else? Christian music. Helping people. Dylan? Praying. Connecting with God. Amen? Who else has got one? Praise. Amen. See, if you will study God's Word, if you will... Sing Christian songs. If you will spend time connecting your heart to God in prayer, if you will uh, unite with other believers, then you're going to be saturating your life with things that will build you up. But there's more than that. Because the Bible also tells us to fix our thoughts. To fix our thoughts on that that is true and honorable, right and pure, holy and admirable, if there's anything praiseworthy, if there's anything excellent, think about those things. So your thoughts, what you think about, can spiritually build you up if you're thinking about the holy things, the excellent and praiseworthy things. See, as you grow in your desire to surrender your life unconditionally, what you're going to see is your body's going to become yielded, Amen? You're going to see that your life's going to become separated from the life, from the world you live in, and your mind is going to be transformed. And when you do that, you're going to be in a much better place to more accurately discern where God is leading you, why God is leading you there, and what He's going to have you do when you get there. Amen? But it's going to take you being surrendered to God unconditionally.
Now there's a second step that you can take as you seek to discover the will of God for your life. And that is realize that God has a plan for your life. Paul wrote to the Ephesian believers and he said, In Him, in Jesus, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace, which He made to abound toward us in wisdom and understanding, having made known to us, here it comes, the mystery of His will. Having made known to us the mystery of His will according to His good pleasure which He purposed in Himself. Can I tell you this? Your life has got insanely great meaning. Your life has insanely great purpose. And God wants to reveal His plan for you, here it comes though, as you become ready to fulfill it. He wants to reveal His plan to you as you make yourself ready to fulfill His plan. Why would He reveal His plan to you if you ain't going to do it? Why would He reveal His plan to you if you ain't ready for it? So you got to get yourself ready. Proverbs 19, 21, the Bible says that there are many plans in the man's heart, but the Lord's plans will prevail. The Lord's plans will prevail. What you need to understand is this. You are made by God, and you are made for God. You are made by God, and you are made for God. So life that we live is basically letting God use you. You're His. You're made by Him and for Him. You've got to let God use you for His plans and quit trying to use God for your plans. Amen? We're all guilty of that. So how do you learn God's plans for you and for yours? How do we learn those plans for you and yours? Well, since you didn't create yourself, that means you can't tell yourself what you were created for. Only the Creator, only the Creator's manual can give you any idea of what direction you ought to seek. You know, some 600 years before the birth of Christ, the prophet Jeremiah wrote this. He said, For I know the plans that I have toward you, says the Lord. They are plans to give you a peace, not of evil, and to give you a future and a hope. And then one verse later he said, And you will seek me and find me, here it comes, when you search for me with all your heart. So I started off the message by saying, Have you ever wondered what the future holds for you? Have you ever wondered the answers to these life-changing decisions you've got to make? And we've all agreed that we do. But how many times have you sought God out with all your heart to find those answers and to find the things that you need to know? Listen up, y'all. God has a plan for you. God has a plan for your spouse. God has a plan for your children. God has a plan for your grandchildren. God has a plan for this church. God has a plan for the United States of America. And God has a plan, ultimately, for the entire human race. He's got a plan. What is our job then, since he's got the plan? Our job, our high and holy calling, is for us to make the necessary changes we've got to make 
so that we're not living counter to what God wants us to do, so that we're ready to fulfill the plans of God. We need to align ourselves with God's plans. I mean, you don't want to be living and raising your kids and doing church in a way that's counter to what God would have you to do, do you? Of course not. So we have to align ourselves with the plans of God. And when you begin to do that, you begin to learn and to live God's plan for your life. Here's five benefits you're going to get from it. You ready? Say, I'm ready. Here we go. Number one, knowing God's plan, first of all, gives meaning to your life. Without God, life has no purpose. And without purpose, your life has no meaning. You're here one day and you're gone the next. That's it. No purpose, no meaning. The greatest tragedy is not death. The greatest tragedy is living a life following the wrong plan. Whatever you got to do, search out the plan of God for your life with all your heart. Number two, knowing God's plan also simplifies your life. God's plan defines what you do. It defines what you don't do. And in that way, it's real simple, amen? And I like simple. Simple is good, right? It's easy. It makes it easy. It's simple. I do what he tells me to do, and I don't do what he tells me not to do. It's simple. Number three, knowing God's plan also focuses your life. I heard it said that you're effective when you become selective. You become effective in your life when you become a laser beam Focused on what God wants you to do, not on what you want done. So be effective by being selective. Focus on your creator's plan. He knows what's going on. He knows the things that are coming against you. He knows what his plan is for your life. And it's a plan for peace and for, for great things, a great future and a great hope. Number four, knowing God's plan also motivates your life. A good plan always produces passion. A good plan will always produce passion. So friend, if your Christian life is lacking passion, maybe, just maybe, you're following the wrong plan. Because God's plan is a good plan. It's a good plan. It's a peaceful plan. It's a hopeful plan. It's a good plan. So if, but if you're not following that plan, you're going to be continually dissatisfied, disappointed, and disillusioned. So knowing God's plan will motivate your life. Finally, knowing God's plan also prepares you for eternity. See, when it's all said and done, y'all, what matters most is not what other people say. What matters most is what does God say. You were put here not to be remembered by people. You were put here so that you could prepare for an eternity with God. That's why you're here. So there's great, great benefits to knowing the plan of God. There's great benefits to seeking it out with all your heart. And how do you do that? Last week we discovered that for the believer, prayer is not an option. You can't be an effective believer and not pray. 
You cannot be an effective believer and not have a heart connection with God. Right? It's not an option. Well, just in the same way, seeking, learning, and following God's plan for your life is also not an option. You've got to do that. To effectively seek God's plan, yes, you have to surrender your life unconditionally. But you also have to realize God has a plan for my life. The third step to discovering the will of God for your life is you've got to act on what God has already revealed. You've got to act upon what God's already shown you. Listen to what Paul wrote to the Thessalonian believers in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. He says, Finally, brethren, we urge and exhort in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more. Do more and more. It's like there's never enough with God, right? He wants you to abound more and more just as you have received from us how you ought to walk and to please God. For you know what commandments we gave you through the Lord Jesus. You know them, don't you? For this is the will of God. Here we go. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. What in heaven's name does that mean? This is the will of God that you become more and more like Jesus Christ. That you become more and more like His Son. That you, you should abstain from sexual immorality to each of your or to each of you should know his own vessel and how to possess it in sanctification and in honor, not in passion and in lust like the Gentiles who don't know God. That no one should take advantage of and defraud his brother in this matter because the Lord is an avenger of all such, just as we have forewarned you and testified. For God did not call us to uncleanness, but to holiness. Therefore, he who rejects this doesn't reject man. He rejects God, who has also given us his Holy Spirit. Guidelines. The Bible's full of guidelines, full of direction uh, as we follow his word. The Bible reveals uh, certain things that are clearly the will of God for every believer without exception. Four things that God has already revealed for you. Are you ready? Say, I'm ready. Four things that God has already revealed because if you're going to find out God's will for tomorrow, you're going to have to act on what he's already shown you today, right? Four things that the Bible has already revealed to us regarding God's will. Number one, God wants us to live yielded to his Holy Spirit. It seems so easy to pick up bad habits. It seems so easy to choose the worldly over the spiritual. It seems so easy to believe the lie and not believe the truth. But God doesn't want that for you. He wants you to fill your He doesn't want you to fill your life with a cheap substitute. He doesn't want you to choose alcohol and drugs. He doesn't want you to choose possessions and earthly pursuits. No, he wants you to live under the control of his Holy Spirit. Why? Because he knows that's what's best for you. And he loves you. God wants to develop in you his love instead of worldly hate. He wants to develop in you and get you to where you're choosing joy, not sorrow. 
He wants you to choose peace over turmoil. To choose patience over impulsiveness. He wants you to choose kindness over cruelty. To choose goodness over evil. To choose faithfulness over disloyalty. He wants you to choose gentleness over conceit. He wants you to choose self-control over self-indulgence. It's the fruit of the Spirit. Listen, y'all. If you're controlled by anything or anyone else other than God... You are missing out on his perfect will for your life. If anything or anyone takes priority over God in your life, you are missing out on God's will. That's the danger of addictions. That's why we don't, we don't even toy with them. We don't even toy with addictions. Why? Because they try to steal your attention. They try to distract you from your priorities. And we've learned that God has already revealed to us that he wants us to live yielded to his Holy Spirit. But there's a second one. God also wants us to live pure and holy lives. This is the will of God, your sanctification. This is the will of God that you become more and more like Jesus who is holy and pure. You see, the Bible makes it crystal clear that Christians are to live sexually pure lives. Only a sexual relationship, the only one that God will bless is that of a man and a woman committed in marriage. That's the only sexual relationship that God will bless. Premarital sexual relationships ain't going to fly. Extramarital sexual relationships ain't going to fly. They will never, say never, they will never be in the will of God for the believer under any circumstances. And as Forrest Gump says, that's all I have to say about diet. Amen. God wants us to live yielded to his Holy Spirit. God wants us to live a pure and holy life. But God also wants us to have an attitude of gratitude. No matter what happens in your life, God wants you to be Thankful. He wants you to see that regardless of how difficult it is, regardless of how challenging it may be, regardless of even how tragic a situation might be, he is in control. He is in control. He is in control of all the circumstances in your life. Do you remember what he said to the Thessalonians in 5.18? He said, in everything give thanks. For this is, here it comes, the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Be thankful. See, God has promised, and he's a faithful God. He has promised that he will ultimately work out all things together for the good of those who belong to him. If you belong to him, you got no worries. You can be thankful, amen? If you belong to him, you can rejoice today. You can rejoice today because you know God has a plan for your life. He's got a plan in mind that whatever you go through tomorrow, he's got it. Amen. He's in control. He's got it. So rejoice today knowing that he's got that tomorrow. So the Holy so God has already revealed to us that he wants, to live, wants us to live yielded lives. Yielded to the Holy Spirit. He wants us to live a pure and holy life. He also wants us to have this attitude of gratitude. But finally, the Bible's real clear about this. He's already revealed that he wants everyone 
to come to repentance. God wants them all. God wants them all to come to repentance. God makes it clear that he desires more people to come into a relationship with himself. In the New Living Translation, 2 Peter 3.9 says it this way, The Lord's not really being slow about his promise like some people think. No, he's being patient for your sake. He's being patient thinking that maybe you might mention your redemption story. Maybe you might share the gospel good news with that person who doesn't have a relationship with God. So he's, he's waiting. He's being patient for your sake because he doesn't want anyone to perish but wants everyone to repent. Wow. That being the case, y'all, you should be absolutely beyond a shadow of a doubt sure that you have taken advantage of God's offer for Jesus to save you from the penalty of your sins. He's waited. He's being patient. He wants everyone to come to repentance. You better be sure that you've taken advantage of the opportunity to come to Christ. Here's what Jesus said. He said, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me and I know them. And I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Praise God. But not only should you be sure that you have taken advantage of God's offer. You should also be sure that you are presently taking advantage of every opportunity to pray for and share the good news that Jesus saves lost sinners. That Jesus saves lost sinners from the horrible tribulation that's coming for this world, but also the dreadful consequences of dying in sin. Would you want your worst enemy to die and go to hell for all eternity? You say, well, there's been somebody kind of flirting with it. But it should not be your desire that anyone should perish. So what opportunities do you have? What opportunities do you have to share the good news? Have I mentioned lately that we offer all the help you need to share and record your redemption story, your three-minute redemption story? Have I told you all that in the last couple of weeks? Huh? Every Sunday, say, yeah, we're tired of hearing about it, Bill. Amen. But what an easy, simple way for you to share your story about what Jesus has done in your life. How important is it for you to share your story? How important is it for you to pray for and share the good news with those that are lost? Well, God seems to think it's pretty important. Pretty important. I mean, how can we expect God to reveal His will for us tomorrow when we've not been obedient to what He's already revealed today? That doesn't make sense, does it? I want to encourage you to surrender your life unconditionally. 
to realize that God has a plan for your life. But it means you're going to have to act on what he's already revealed to you. Because if you're not acting on what he's already revealed to you, why on heaven's green earth would he reveal tomorrow to you? Surrender. Realize it. And then act upon it. Today might be your day to make those changes. Today might be your day to come to Christ so that you know what the, the will of God is for you and your future. It's heaven. Amen. If that's your desire today, we encourage you during this song to come. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we praise you and we thank you. We adore you. And we thank you for being so, so patient with us. Our desire is to live in a way that pleases you.